as I'm sure most of us are today. Keep everybody that's out in prayers. <laughs> okay, here we go. And starting in verse number 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing that thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give it to the poor. Thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about, and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answereth again, and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go to enter into the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go into the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. While we lift our hands, just talk to God for a second right now. Lord, you're worthy, O God. We thank you, O Lord, for what you're doing, O God. Open up our hearts and our minds to what you want to say in this service, O God. Lord, I pray that this message will speak to everybody here today, O God. Everyone watching online, Almighty God, that we will take something away from this sermon, O God. Lord, I pray that your spirit will overflow within us, Almighty God. Let your love overflow in this mighty place, O God. Oh, we love you, Almighty God. I want to talk to you for a few moments from this title, Kingdom Values. Shake somebody's hand while you're seated in the presence of the Holy Ghost. To start off, before we start talking about Kingdom Values, I want to talk about this title slide. When I looked at this picture that Joe brought up, I was like, what is that? Uh, I don't understand what that is. But Joe said to me, values are abstract. So you have to place your own importance on values, values you can't hold into your hand. So this gold lining right there is the values that we're trying to see in the forefront, and it's obscure from the other things in the background. And so... <laughs> I'd like to start talking about earthly values. And so I want to ask you all of a question. What is your most prized possession? What is an object or a thing that you value or cherish more than anything else? I'll give you all a moment to think about this. For some of us, we might say it's the car that we own. For others, it might be the jersey of a famous person. And maybe some of us are like me, where this pen is my most prized possession. At least right now, because I can use it to write any notes that I have. This G2 Pilot Pen writes so good. This is my most prized possession. And unfortunately, my teacher friends aren't here right now, but we have our Sunday school teachers. I'm sure they know how these things write. But I, can, I think I can speak for most of us when I say that we don't have one. We don't have something prized possession. When we are children, we are taught to share and play nice with other kids and let everybody have a turn with the toy. 
And this is good because hopefully it stops some of these kids whenever someone takes their stuff and they have a temper tantrum. I can say of myself, I'm considered some of these kids. I don't like my stuff messed with. <laughs> but this kind of indoctrinates us into believing that objects are meant to be used. They're not meant to be valued and held in a high regard. But on the other hand, if we are talking about the worth of things, in my case, I would probably say that my camera has value to me. It is worth more than this pen in a monetary sense. And because of that, I value my camera more. Sorry, I scrolled up to my notes. But the thing is, I don't bring this pen or my camera everywhere I go with me. So we might not think that we hold any object of value, but actually we all have one of these. We carry around this little cellular device everywhere we go, all for the purpose of staying connected with each other and with the world. And if we are not taking this around, then we're strapping one of these to our wrists. <laughs> well, all in all, we bring these supercomputers with us everywhere that we go because it's useful. It's a tool. It serves its purpose in this day and age. But contrary to popular belief, this is not of the devil. This is an object. An object can only take the form of what you give it. If you allow this to be just a tool that serves its purpose, that's all, ever, that's all it will ever be. But if you're not careful, if you have more earthly values than kingdom values, then this can become an idol. This can take you farther from God, and this will be a tool being used by the enemy to drive a wedge between you and God. And I keep throwing around this word value as a noun. And what does that really mean? According to Oxford Dictionary, the word value means the regard that something is held to deserve, the importance, worth, or usefulness of something. And another definition is a person's principles or standards of behavior, one's judgment of what is important in life. And another word similar to this is priorities, priorities of the kingdom per se. Oxford describes this word as the fact or condition of being regarded or treated as more important. So priorities and values kind of go hand in hand with one another. When you prioritize or value something, then it gets regarded higher or treated as more important. And if so, if someone were to ask you, what are some of the things of the kingdom that you prioritize, what would you say? Other than the plan of salvation being number one for everyone there, what are a couple of things that are essential to being a practicing Christian? Would you say that you should love God and love people? Would you say that we must be giving of ourselves and serving others? I think back to the example of what Jesus emphasized when he was asked uh, what Jesus valued as the greatest commandments back in Matthew 22, verse starting verse 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second one, the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything else is built upon loving God with everything that we have and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. So back to the question, what are some of the values that we hold near and dear to us in the kingdom of God? And while there are many great answers out there about what the greatest kingdom values are, I think if someone were to ask me that, I would probably say serving others and giving of ourselves. 
Because it's not about buying and having things that look good. Buying whatever is a new click, whatever is a new niche. Getting into the market whenever it's good. But we want to have, we don't want to have value in certain objects. We don't want to place these things higher than certain things. And if we look back at the rich young ruler who asked Jesus a question, he said, what can I do to have eternal life? What, is, what can I do to have eternal life? And this already goes against what society declares as being normal. Being a young man with access to riches and to power, he seemed to have an overwhelming desire and to spiritual interest instead of being focused on his youth like many of us today. But unfortunately, the young man left Jesus with less excitement than when he came. Mark 22, 10-22 even records that he went away grieved. Jesus cut right to the chase when giving him an answer. He told him it's about serving and giving and not about buying and having. And that totally goes against what society says. It's all about trying to get a career, trying to make sure that you're building up your wealth. You're invested in this thing and this thing and this thing. You're not in the stock market when it's going down. It's all about working your whole life and just being able to retire just so you can enjoy those last few years of your life. But in reality, we need to be placing more emphasis on the word of God, on the calling of God. The rich young ruler was sad at that saying and went away grieved because of his great possessions. First Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. He could not fathom giving up all that he had in order to pursue God fully. Mark 10.21 says, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing that thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. When society reads this verse, they're like, like how does this make sense? You know, it's Jesus telling him that you should get, take whatever you have and give it to the poor. Like, then you would have nothing, right? But God's talking about two different kingdoms here. He's talking about the earthly kingdom of giving away everything, and you shall inherit eternal life in heaven. And the fact of the matter is that we must put God first in our lives. We must deny ourselves daily, die out to our flesh daily, in order to seek the kingdom of God. So if we're carrying the baggage of this world at all times, we cannot carry the cross that Jesus has asked us to pick up. Carrying a cross may require us to reshuffle our priorities, rethink our values. And so I ask all of us today, are we more focused on kingdom values or are we too busy placing value on earthly things? And so for the next few moments, I will discuss some kingdom values that are not unpopular per se, but can easily be looked over when being asked, what are some of the things that we place value upon in the kingdom? So as I say all these, I want you to kind of think about them, kind of discuss them with yourself, um, with your neighbor if you'd like. <laughs> but basically, tr just try and see how these apply to your life. So the first one is going to be tithe slash giving. So every time, you know, when you get your paycheck, you give that minimum of 10% to God first. You give the first 10%. You don't go spend and pay all your bills first and then be like, oh, I got, I got this much of my paycheck, 10%. It's the whole paycheck and you give the first 10%. So that first 10% is because, why? Because we're stewards. Because it's not our money. God is giving us this money so that we may be able to live on earth. And so we're just giving back to God what's already his. We're just making sure that he's the priority 
that he's the number one, that we're making sure he's first when we get this. Society is all about keeping your, your blessings, keeping what you have. And that's not the way it is in the kingdom of God. We're not supposed to be keeping. We're not supposed to be leaving it up to ourselves. We're supposed to be giving it out to the kingdom. And Second Corinthians 9, 7 says, Every man according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Amen. Uh, musicians, you can join me on the platform. I'm not very long-winded today. Our second one is prayer and spending time with God. Of course, this is by yourself. We all must have our own individual walks with God. This one is pretty self-explanatory, but I find that when I wake up every single day, that giving God the first time of my day is what makes it better. It turns out to be a much better day than when I wake up late and I'm rushing out of the house, so I only say a quick prayer. Getting up early to dedicate time to God allows me to be a better Christian, allows me to keep him in the focus and the forefront of my life. Another value I believe is overlooked is pastor's vision for the church. I heard it once said that it's the duty of the pastor to be over the church. It's his job to uphold a vision for the church and lead us to accomplishing that. But it's the duty of the body to carry out that vision. To be the one saying, you know what, pastor, we are behind you with this. We are fully supporting the vision that you have for the church and then going out and carrying out that vision. If pastor were to say to us today, okay, I want 50 Bible studies to be taught by the end of next month. What would we all say? Would we say, oh, are we going to do it? No. We would go out and do it. We wouldn't expect pastor to go out there and be teaching all 50 of those Bible studies. It would be up to us to be going out there. We should be the ones going out and trying to get those 50 Bible studies taught. We should be the ones supporting the vision over our church. We have faith in him that he's the leader of our church. God placed him as a shepherd over us. And we as sheep need the shepherd, right, man? It's unreasonable to think that pastor's going to do all the work for us. The next value is God's voice. And this is something that I'm currently working on as well because I do a lot of this whenever I'm talking to God, and I need to do more of this. I need to open up my ears and listen to what he's trying to say. We need to be focused at all times on what he's saying in our lives. Even in Moses' life when he was even the promise of his generations to come would be numbered as the sand beneath his feet and the stars in the heaven. And when Moses was asked by God to sacrifice Isaac, you know, what was Moses thinking? Who knows? But I would be questioning myself. I'd be questioning the promise. And that's not what God's asking us to do. God's asking us to trust in him, to listen to his voice, to obey. Um, another one, another value I believe is overlooked is fire. Allowing fire to fall and for expectations to come. So one question I had when I was writing down my notes for this is, where did the fire go? The state of the world nowadays is going so far down that we come to the church and we cling on to the hope that we get here. So God's spirit is being more poured out than ever before. And when I was preparing for this, God gave me this thought. He said, we shouldn't need more of God's spirit to be poured out for us. Sorry, we shouldn't need 
more of the state of the world to decrease so that we can get more of God's spirit on a Sunday church service. So then we can all go home that afternoon and say, that was some good church. Our hunger and our thirst should be what's causing a move of God to happen. Our desire to follow after the cadence of the Holy Ghost should cause a move of God to happen. Our expectation should be what causes a Holy Ghost party that lasts for hours and it throws off our Sunday lunch plans. Because the fact of the matter is, God will meet us at our expectation. God will meet us at our willingness. God will meet us at our hunger and our thirst. And it all starts with what you're prioritizing, what you're putting values on. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't show up on a Sunday when we've been expecting a move of God, then so what? He's still good. He still had done so much for us. We could give him praise right now for the rest of our lives, and it still wouldn't be enough. He has done so much for us. Amen. Uh, the next one, I believe, is a burden. A burden for his will, a burden for souls, a burden for our city. I can still hear Sister Bruce praying in my ear. Give him a burden for souls. Shut up. Give him a burden for souls. We need to have a burden for the souls of the city. We need to have a burden for his will to be done in our lives. We need to be able to hear what he's saying to us at all times. Amen. Uh, the next standard is, uh, next. sorry, the next thing is standards. Do we truly believe and internalize the standards of holiness and modesty, or do we just follow what the pastor is teaching us? Do we just follow what the other people in the body are doing with us? If you stand with me today. And the last priority that I believe in the kingdom of God is separating time. That you should come be with the body of Christ in a scheduled church service. And this kind of bounces off what pastor's been talking about on his Thursday night service. Uh, the classic kingdoms, and I'll be paraphrasing, of course. In other countries like China, where it's basically forbidden to be a Christian, the people there choose to go against the government. They choose to go against the social norm of being a Buddhist or being part of folk religion and choose to be a Christian instead. They have one or two options, and they don't, they don't accept that. They make a third option. When that isn't even a choice for them, they choose to step outside what society says and to make their own path. So here in America, because we have the freedom of choice of whatever religion we choose to be in, it makes it harder for us to be Christians. Obviously, the choice of being a Christian is easy, but being a practicing apostolic that believes in truth can be difficult. It's a choice we have to choose every single day. And the enemy gets confused by this. They get flustered, and they don't understand that in a society where we can choose any religion, why we would choose this one? Why did this one stick out to us? And this leads the enemy to, attack, to acting out, to attacking and coming against the body in any way possible to bring us down to draw us further from God, to take away our praise and our worship. And that's what the enemy is trying right now. They're trying to get us all sick so that we are more focused on the fact that we're sick and we're more focused on the fact of recovering, that we don't rely on God for his healing power. Instead of praising and worshiping God for the healing, we know he will provide. And so when I look out into the sanctuary, every chair that I see that has a person in front of it, there's a living, breathing testimony here. Because what you're saying is you're not sitting here you're not standing here, I should say. I'm not afraid of what the enemy is trying to do. I'm not letting the sickness get the best of me. I'm not allowing my praise and my worship to be taken from me. Because no matter what happens, God is still good. He is still the I am, the I am. He is still my healer. 
my provider, my everything. And so I get encouraged by seeing all of you here today. And obviously, if you're actively contagious and staying at home and watching online is perfectly fine. We don't want to get sick and we don't want to spread sickness in this place. But as long as you continue to praise and worship God, the enemy isn't winning this battle that they're trying to pick with us. But what you're saying while you're staying here today is that you're more focused on being present in the kingdom of God rather than looking at the situation that you are in. So I ask all of you the questions today again. What values do you hold in high regard to the kingdom of God? Are we allowing God to be the forefront of our lives today? And are we picking up our cross daily and following after him? You can sing with us today. No other God can be called a father. No other God can be called a friend. No other God can be called Redeemer. No other God's coming back again. Oh, sing how we love your name. Jesus, you're the beautiful one. We love your name. How we love your name. Jesus, you're the beautiful one. We love your name. Sing it again. Say, Lord, how we love your name. How we love your name. Jesus, you're the beautiful one. We love your name. Say how we love you, Lord. Hallelujah. How we love you.
Isn't he worthy today? Amen. Oh, God, we love you, God. Thank you, O Lord Jesus, for what you're doing, O Lord. I know today wasn't really a long word, but I hope it got some of you guys thinking, some of you guys um, kind of reassessing what the values are in your life, reassessing what kingdom values you're placing importance on. Uh, we're going to go into prayer right now. We'll see you guys back at 11 o'clock. Amen. Oh, I know. 